and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today we have a special guest, Frontify founder uh, and CTO Roger Dudler, who'll be talking about bridging the gap between designers and developers, and also, you know, style sheets and everything that uh, Frontify is all about. Roger. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today and appreciate your time. Thank you very much. So before we get started, please give our listeners an introduction what Frontify is about and uh, how you got started with it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Frontify is um, a software company. We are providing uh, tools for brand management. Basically, this is um, this is two parts that are very big. One is the uh, tool for style guides, so getting rid of PDF documents, sharing static PDFs around the world, so bringing them online, making them interactive. And the second part is uh, a tool for collaboration for designers and developers, um, which really helps to streamline the process of building digital products within uh, companies. That sounds like a super valuable thing to have for for the process. Yeah, hopefully it is. And um, yeah, as you you asked um, how this is started, um, this comes from from the agency world. So um, when I was a developer and a designer uh, in largest Swiss agency, I was working really in between of the design team and the development team. And you, you, you see a lot of those specification sheets within a wiki or as documents that get shared and sent around. And they are really, they're really outdated and not really uh, in, in a form that is really useful. So I really saw a gap there and, and try to solve it with a tool that really helps to bring together those um, special roles. So the creative people around design and the technical people uh, who do the code. And and therefore, I came up with the idea of having a, an online version of specifications, of guidelines, so we can really get the most of, of, of all the world. So uh, a good product for designers, a good product for developers, and even bring in other stakeholders like the project manager and people like this. Mm-hmm. So there are a few founders there at Frontify, as as far as I understand. So you were the one who brought in the product idea into the world. Yes, um, I, I actually started alone in 2013, um, building a first minimal viable product. Um, as a classic startup, and uh, I tried to evaluate the market and the product, so uh, to get an idea of people are really interested in what we're doing. And then, after around one and a half years, I, I decided that I I'm really one who who is about the product, about the vision, and and these kind of things. And I I, I brought uh, some more people on board. Or more about business and, and strategy and more developers, a real team, you know. <laughs> and yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard if you're alone. I mean, it's it's good to to get a first impression of what the product could be and what the market could be. I decided to bring in some more people on board, and um, 
So from 2013 and 2014, our team growed um, and we are now a team of seven, uh, mm -hmm. consisting of uh, developers, sales and account management people and a new CEO. Um, this is special because I, th I think it's important to have some more like um, business management and strategy skills. Um, this was really a good decision. And yeah, and now we're uh, really seeing uh, a lot of growth and a lot of good results, uh, especially with the StyleGuide product. That's really interesting. That's definitely not an, a usual move for a SaaS founder to give away all the freedoms, mm -hmm. you know, the decision-making towards uh, someone who is, is your CEO one for hire or is he a founder as well? Um, he, he is actually, he was hired, but um, mm -hmm. he is, uh, he's also um, participating uh, with, with shares. So it's not really, it's not really a classic situation of hiring someone. So it's really, it's really more of a co-founder. And um, mm -hmm. and we feel it like this, so it's it's still a, it's still a very a very uh, I think a very a very good uh, partnership in 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 leading the company. Um, this is pretty amazing. You are you know modest enough to introduce someone equally smart just to take up the management opportunities. Yeah, I mean we we know each other um, for for many years and. Um, um, so therefore, I was not really wasn't it really a big risk. Um, so um, actually, it was quite an easy decision to bring him on board because I think it's really it's really a perfect match and um, really seeing seeing that that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I also on on the about page I see you have plenty of um, other people involved, in, including advisors and some other interesting titles. Yes, um, there are many uh, many people around us, so we try to to bring in as many uh, smart people around us than that's possible. So uh, one of them is uh, Michael Neff. He is the founder of Doodle, which is a mm -hmm. scheduling platform which is quite popular. We know it very well. <laughs> <laughs> And um, especially him, it was like. Especially during the first year, it was a very intensive uh, partnership and mentorship that he gave me. So there was like every week we had our one hour um, meeting about anything. So it was not really just about the business and, you know, building up the product market fit and stuff. It was also about personality. So it's, it's a lot of, I really learned a lot of things from him and um, it was really something uh, invaluable um, that he is on board and he, he he was always the one who is challenging when it went very well and he 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 um he gave the good ideas when it went a little little bad and stuff like that so mm -hmm. he, he was a really important person and and there are some more um also very important people uh for for example thomas tubendorfer he is uh, more the technical guy and a really smart one who helps in, in, in all areas of our business. So um, we are really happy to have them on board. And I think without them, it would be very hard. So it's, it's really cool to have them on board. And it's really, it's really a partnership. You know, it's not having them as, as investors only and like looking 
for the numbers and stuff. That's also important, but it's more of a, of a collaboration in, in building something great. I'm really happy that you've, you've got such an amazing team of people around yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So you've been out since uh, 2013, which is three years, very nice runway. And uh, I don't know how you, how comfortable you are sharing any kind of metrics, <laughs> but how has that, you know, SAS uh, slow ramp of uh, death or growth. <laughs> How does yeah. it look for you? you? You've mentioned you've had some great times, which I'm really happy about. So tell us more about that product market fit and, and the curve. Yeah, that's um, it's probably similar to other startups, but yeah, it's, it's it's sometimes hard to find out how others work because uh, most most of times it's not really information you get from others. But um, yeah, I'm happy to share them. Um, so. We we actually started with um, with more or less um, like like a tool, so uh, let's say a tool that that is more or less something that for developers and designers uh, who helps collaborating uh, something that exists uh, in several other tools as well, and this worked quite great at uh, for bigger companies like enterprise, for example Lufthansa is a customer of us. Um, a very big one um, and this worked quite well in the enterprise area but not that that well in the SaaS part let, let's say in the in the low touch or self-service segment so we we re really try to maintain two different segments uh, the ones who, who don't need a lot of marketing and sales efforts so the self-service segment and the enterprise segment where it's really the big ones with uh, larger revenues and, and stuff like that. And so uh, for around, I would say around two years, it was really hard to find, find that fit. You know, we, we had, a, I think we had a great product. We had uh, great customers who were very happy with it, but it's, it was hard to tell, you know, it was hard to explain. It's, it's really, it, 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 it really involved a lot of adaption and, and explanation and learning for people. Um, they had to change their workflow a little bit. So it's really hard as an easy, an easy entry and an easy start with Frontify. And then we had a customer called TUI, um, which is called Thompson in some countries. It's the largest travel uh, company in the world. Um, mm -hmm. which decided to use Frontify. And uh, together with them, we'll, we, we shaped our style guide part of the product and really built out a new, a new product out of it, uh, which was really, uh, I would say, the most advanced and most uh, simple and, and, and powerful uh, solution for style guides, for online style guides and prem manuals. And once we did that, um, we saw that we found really a topic that is way easier to jump in. So it's, it's way easier to get started with, let's say, you want to document your logo and your typography and your colors somewhere. Um, that's quite easy to understand. It's still a niche, but it, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to get. And... Once we did that change, um, we saw really constant growth in our signups, constant growth in our uh, conversions, 
um, this is really something working very well. And um, we found out that as we as we planned that actually every company that has a, has a logo is really needing uh, such a style guide because it's just way easier to maintain. It's cheaper to produce. Um, it has a lot of lot of other advantages like the sharing that is way easier. You get the the, the interactive elements which are more like today's age and not like from 10 years ago so <laughs> we really see the adaption of people to online style guides and and we are really happy with all the the customers we we have now which which also include like uh, lego for example and nasdaq and and a large list of other interesting I'm companies. I'm rolling my eyes just by the names uh, no, it's really, <laughs> you're it's, mentioning here. It's really, for us, it's always, uh, it's always really a pleasure to see all those uh, big names uh, jumping on board. And uh, we, we're just tipping the iceberg. I mean, it's, uh, it's really a large topic and a large move that is going on. So uh, style guides are a really hot topic and, we have a completely different approach than many others. So we don't try to uh, build style guides out of code, for example. We, we actually connect code, but it's, it's really a, a more end-user-friendly version of a style guide. And we're seeing that agencies get requests from their customers that they should provide an online version. And they don't want to create them by their own because that's expensive and, and not that powerful. And so they are moving to Frontify. And yeah, we really see that uh, as a huge uh, opportunity for us. So who is your ideal client these days now that you've shaped your product market proposition well? The ideal client is someone who is really, um, who really has a, has a feeling of their brand, who has an important brand, um, which is valuable for their business. So it's not it's not like the the restaurant out there that is really it's not 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 important if it's that logo or this logo or that color or that color. So it's really the companies who who take care of their brand, and it's not really about the size of the company. So there are also small companies that have a strong brand. Who, who try to find a way to get consistency over all the different channels. So the ideal customer actually is someone like Lufthansa who has a lot of channels, who has a strong brand, who is uh, recognized all around the world, um, which they, they really spend a lot of money and a lot of effort into maintaining the brand consistency and the brand value. So, yeah. But actually, anyone that has has a basic style guide is a, is a potential customer for us. Mm-hmm. But, okay. No, that's the rare case when I hit a mm-hmm. <laughs> roadblock in my own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but who 
who is that person who gets in touch with your brand first? Uh, is you that mean, the, okay. the agency who propagates the interests or either the client themselves who reaches out? Actually, both. Um, so normally, since we made the move, um, it's not anymore... It can be the designer or the developer as well. So bottom up from the agency or or from the department in a larger company could be. But normally it is more like the agency itself that gets um, that gets a request from their customer. So the the project manager and the designer from the agency or uh, the brand management or marketing departments of the companies. Normally it's one of those. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Um, you have a very interesting, playful identity. And what I did half an hour ago, I dug out your old uh, dribble profile and I <laughs> saw the early sketches of Friendify because I wanted to see like what you, what you really did like in 2013. And it was black and white. And now I see all kinds of colors on your sales page. How did you drift towards that kind of styling? <laughs> That was an interesting move, actually. I I, I was um, creating a lot of a lot of the designs by myself, um, but I'm not really the. I would say I'm not the professional designer. I can do a lot of things, but it's not like you know top of the pops. So when I look at uh, other companies, uh, uh, let's say startups from the states um, that are doing an amazing job in design, like like Envision or Dropbox or whatever. Um, we are not not quite there, or especially me, I'm not not there. And um, so we um, we created like an initial version of the logo, and it was something similar with the drops. And then um, I just wanted to have, since we don't have a dedicated designer in house currently, I, I needed to have like a uh, like a framework or a foundation that I can work with. So. I just you need a style guide for your own yeah, company. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You 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 laugh maybe, but it's it's really it's really something that when you have a startup, it's probably not the first thing you do. I know. Um, I know. I hear then, that so much. <laughs> then it was actually it was really important when we when we moved to having a style guide product. It's really important to have a, a good and a strong identity by yourself. And then we decided to go to do a little rebrush and. Um, we hired an agency um, who who did like uh, a little rebrush of the logo, and we we had the requirement that they're gonna introduce some playful colors, since we wanted to have this playful experience. Um, since we know that our product is really loved by by designers and developers, so they really like to work with it, and we wanted to have our brand reflect that a little bit, and. Um, since we now have a style guide, it's way easier to to really also if you're not a dedicated designer or professional designer, it's way easier to work with a brand. So you can have a look at the style guide and you can build something together. Um, so this was really, I think it was really an important move, and, and we're really happy with the identity now. What was your strategy behind that? Because you're targeting some, besides targeting, you know, craftsmen who might like playful identity, you're targeting serious corporate clients Hmm. who might have really preferred your black logo firsthand. Uh, What was your thought process behind that request of adding bright colors? 
yeah, we were quite a, quite afraid of, of especially this part when we were not sure um, if it would work out. But um, the color palette is chosen with like let's say a backup color <laughs> that gets that gets used um, for more serious parts of the website. So if you see like. The enterprise, uh, the enterprise page is more in blue and has a lot more blue in it, and, mm-hmm. and not not that much orange and uh, and stuff and red. So we try to find a balance that is still acceptable. And um, we 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 did some monitoring on that how it how it went. And um, actually, we get a lot of requests from enterprises through our website. So basically, we don't do any any active outreach currently so really amazing we get all our mainly all our requests by uh really coming companies coming to us uh, through the website and requesting um enterprise offerings so it's really it's really working great i don't think it's it's something that holds them back i i would i would say it's it's even an advantage because um we see that, especially, for example, for Lufthansa, it's something that is part of the project. Like when you introduce Frontify, it's not, it's not that you just bring in a product. It's more like changing the way you work together with all your departments and, and stuff. So they, they really they tell the name. They try to bring us on board and, and, and talk about what we're trying to achieve with all the Frontify package. Uh, so we brought agencies on board, we brought developers on board, uh, brand management, marketing, and all different stakeholders. And it's like Frontify is more like a, a way to work rather than just a software. So mm-hmm. it really helped them communicate the idea of bringing back brand consistency within the company. So um, it's, they, they identify themselves by a tool actually, but more by a strategy which we provide. And then that's something we try to bring over to the self-service segment as well, but it's not that easy. Let's dive into the method itself. So let's imagine a traditional, you know, workflow between a designer and developer. Mm, Let's say designer puts together wireframes that that's translated into, let's say, Photoshop or Sketch mockups. And then those are carried over to developer with some heavy commentary. How's that workflow improved with the help of Frontify? Um, the part you mentioned is basically the one that is covered by the Frontify workspace, which is a collaboration tool for mm-hmm. exactly this. Um, I would say we are not we're not that different than uh, than like other tools like Envision or, or other feedback tools um, mm-hmm. when it comes to this part. Um, we are more bringing in the component of combining all the different areas together. So it's especially valuable when you work with a style guide and we will work with a pattern library and you work in a larger environment. So basically the process is the same as you you do it with other tools. So you upload your designs, uh, you comment them, you approve them. So you have a simple approval workflow. You can add specifications directly on the screen. So add color specifications and measurements. You can also define 
reusable parts. So we call them patterns. Uh, so you can mark them directly on the screen. And it really mm -hmm. helps to do some analysis, do the projects itself. It really brings in transparency over all going on projects. Uh, so for all the stakeholders. So we try to really bring on all design projects to the platform, even the print ones. So marketing campaigns, print projects, native apps, websites, whatever is done for the brand should be on the platform. And then you have like a design supervisor or the one who really tries to get an idea of what's going on with our brand. And then people can actually jump in and add some feedback. Hey, you're using the wrong colors. You're using the wrong patterns. Um, and they can really bring in that transparency because in a classic world, it's like the agency has uh, a platform like Confluence or another tool and the other agency has another tool and another tool. And we try to bring in the ownership back to the customer. So mm -hmm. he owns all the assets. He owns all the designs. He is like, even if he changes the agency, he takes the ownership, still has the ownership of everything. And um, that, that's, that's a great really strategy. Value, yeah. mm -hmm. Sorry for interrupting you. I <laughs> know. Uh, and uh, yeah. And when it comes to like working together with the star guide, you can even connect them together. So When, once you're building up a style guide, you can build project based on a style guide. So you can reuse the information that is in a style guide and add it to the screen. For example, color palettes. You see the same colors which are in the style guide. You can also drag them onto the screen and reference them. So you don't have to um, like do it all again and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Can you share some of your personal background and how did you become, you know, uh, how did you arrive at the realization that these were really very big pains in the agency work? Like maybe you share your bio and how you arrived to that point in agency work? Yeah, sure. Um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm basically a developer. So I worked at many companies um, doing software. So um, I was like, you know, the coding guy who, who does like APIs and who built like crazy, crazy algorithms and stuff. <laughs> um, I, I also worked at a weather company who did like weather forecast and image analysis and, and those kind of things. And then I went into the agency world uh, where I did websites, classic, classic stuff. And... I was always like uh, passionate about design and then did a lot of part-time projects and did a lot of design by myself and and therefore I was really a hybrid hybrid guy that does design and does de development and we call these people dangerous yes. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that, that, these are special people I know but um, yeah actually it helped me to to bridge this gap, you know, to understand what's important for a designer and understand what's important for a developer. So I think that's really, really a good mix when you start, start building a product. When in other cases, you would need like two persons, a designer and a developer, or even a third one, a UX guy as well. 
And I, mm-hmm. I, I was able to create something, or normally I was able to create an MVP by myself, was, uh, like bringing all the things together. And yeah, it really helped me to understand the different, the different roles and uh, not having those, you know, those fights between development and the creative people. So to really, um, yeah, bring them together. Being a representative of both worlds, um, could you elaborate a little bit on those, you know, principal differences between thinking that happens in the brains of developers and thinking that happens inside developer uh, designer's brain? What's hmm. your, what do you think is the key point of, of that confrontation that happens so often while I think that shouldn't be happening? Well, that's a hard question probably, but I think the, the priorities are different. I mean, as a developer, you're, you have a, I think you have a very structured way of thinking, um, a very, let's say, emotionless way of thinking. Um, it's very uh, towards uh, uh, an, a well-written, well-coded application that works well and that follows standards and follows follows rules. And... I think the creative person is more the one who doesn't really follow rules and who is more about the end user experience and not about what's behind. So, and he is not really interesting in what, what is behind. So he's really about the details in the, in the experience. And, and that's exactly the opposite of what's, uh, what a developer is about. So the developer probably looks, okay, the site actually does a correct calculation and has a nice architecture behind it and whatever. And, but the button is like looking like, uh, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's say it's green and not dark green. And the designer looks at it and it's like completely wrong. And, <laughs> and that's just, that's just a mismatch. And where you get those, those hard points where you get, you don't get the understanding because, because it's really hard if if you as a designer work on something very hard and, and very detailed and then you look at the end result and it's just not exactly that. But for the for the developer sometimes it's not really it's not, not about a, an error or fail or something on, on doing it. It's just about that he doesn't see it. So it, he actually doesn't see it, that it's wrong. You can you, you can show it twice, and it's just about that, that the eyes are different and the thinking is different. That's really that's really a problem. Absolutely, and actually, you know, I would really disagree with the fact that designers don't have like systems in place and you I, know no, no, uh, no. categorical yeah, yeah. systems <laughs> because there is such a ton of systems instilled into each design, and everything is so you know, consistent and uh, flawless. And then it's translated into a build and there we go. Like it's all scattered all around the place, even mm-hmm. though like those patterns were in place originally. We just didn't, we failed to point them out to the developers. Yeah, and that, I guess that's where you bridge that gap yeah, with your software. I think that's, <laughs> that's exactly what you said. I think there is a lot of effort and a lot of, a lot of structure as well and a lot of ideas and a lot of thinking that goes into a design. And I know it because uh, we build software here and 
we do a lot of these processes as well. And there's so much going on until the final design is there. And I think that's just something that is not recognized when you just hand over, uh, for example, a finished design. When you hand over a finished design to a developer, he just gets the, the, the final thing. And it's not he doesn't see the real value. And when you bring in software like Frontify, it helps you to bring the developers and the whole team on board from the beginning to see what's going on from the first sketch until final design. It's not about um, asking feedback from the first day, but it's that a developer can actually see how the process was and you can you can see oh there was a lot of lot of effort going into a design and he probably then gives more uh like details into the final design and the final development than he would do without something like frontify so i think bringing them together and understanding each other what's important and what's the value of the different roles is very important, and I think software helps. Software helps um, doing this, and we see those results uh, already. Do you have any spectacular success stories where you know the workflow was revolutionized and disrupted with the help of Frontify and improved so dramatically that you can just go around bragging around this story all over the place? You know. Yeah, well, that, that was the case with Lufthansa. I think. Lufthansa. It's, it, yeah, yeah, it's really they have. I mean, they have thirty-six agencies they work together with. I mean, that, that's that's really huge and. You can imagine if you have have so much agencies and they use, they they have like twenty, thirty, forty guideline documents that are all about like uh, even airplanes how they are painted. Uh, I mean newsletters and, and and the brand itself and a lot of documents, so a lot of stuff. And once we started the project of, with Frontify and once once we started to talk with each other. Um, they started actually understanding that they have to bring in all the different roles onto the same table. So they have to bring in the IT department, they have to bring in the agencies and project managers and everyone, and to ha they have to actually understand what's really going on because they didn't know before. Because there was so much... I mean, you have to imagine there are around... Since we started the platform at Lufthansa, they created around, I think it's around 150 projects. And th these are not small ones. These are large projects with sometimes well. around 80 people in one project. So when you don't, when you, when you don't have such a software, you're just, you're just blind because there's, there's so much happening and you have no chance of control. So you have no chance of what's going on. Maybe agency one is creating a new way of thinking and a new way of microsite. Maybe another team is working on something similar, but it, they, they actually don't know about the other ones. So what we achieved, I think, which is completely different, which, which what we achieved is that all the agencies and all the stakeholders and all people that are working for Lufthansa with the design space are aware of of what's going on and that's that's really helpful because 
they can have a look at best practices, they can have a look at the guidelines, they can have they can even ask other agencies that are working on something similar to work together. So I think that's a huge change at such a large company and, and it really brings in great results. That sounds really great. So let me sum it up for our listeners. I think the recipe for success, um, there are a couple actually. One is bringing all parties uh, to the table during the development process and the design process so that everyone understands the reasoning and the process and uh, all the you know logics that goes inside uh, decision-making process and design. And advice number two is that the company itself should retain the ownership of all their assets and everything that happens so that they are not agency-reliant anymore. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, uh, these are two very important takeaways. Yeah, definitely. So I'd love to have like I'd, I'd love to have four pieces of advice from you. Like <laughs> <laughs> first, first two is do and don't for for the design development process, and second piece is do and don't for 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 the SaaS founder thing it's because you are now uh, okay. Okay. Being in two roles, an expert and the SaaS founder. I think for the design and development part, it's really about do is think about what the other one is thinking. So maybe give some more value to what the other party, party is doing. So And therefore give as much detail and as much passion into into the end result as the other party did i think that's really complicated but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's really about sharing and working together for the same passionate fantastic end product because when working together yeah you finally get a way better product mm -hmm. the and, don't and the don't would be not not talk, not talking to each other i think Uh, I think getting feedback early is great because um, then you give someone the chance to to jump into the process. So even when it's a developer who is just starting his work one week after, I would start to invite him into a project early on and ask him for his advice on on, on maybe he has inputs in in uh, in, a, in an interaction that is hard to code or. Maybe he has uh, good feedback uh, to something else, but it really—I think it—it—it it, it really is a glue to to bring in uh, like it, the team component and to get a better result in the end. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Now for the SaaS part, the do's and don'ts. Um, do's and don'ts. Um, do focus. I think, yeah, that's that's the one that. That is always uh, told you should focus on one thing and do it good. Um, well, we try to do this with um, the style guide and bringing together um, the rest of the parts of the product into one product in the end. Um, and don't don't hire people that you think are not better than you. Mm -hmm. So. 
hire people who are better than you. That is the advice, right? Exactly. <laughs> Great. Um, you need, you know, you have to be some, somewhat really humble and intelligent to, to do that, actually. <laughs> how's that, um, <laughs> yeah. that come naturally to you? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I, I think so, because you seem like a very modest and uh, intelligent person and uh, definitely feeling comfortable in your shoes these days, right? I, I do, actually. I think I, I made myself... A I made myself a, a something that I'm really proud of. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I think it's, it's, it's also a very nice role that I play, I think. Um, and we, yeah, you cannot look into our office, but, you know, we, <laughs> we're, working, we're working in a team that is really full of talents and great people. Um, I love to work with them. And I think it's really that we are not, maybe we're a little different in Switzerland compared to the U.S., But I think we, we all share the same passion and we all work um, towards something, something fantastic. And yeah, I think it's, it's also that we have like a team that, that is really, um, each, each, of, each of the team has a lot of skills that are complement to each other. And um, yeah, it's, it's really just, it's really fun building products like this. Yeah, it's really cool. That's really amazing. There are some teams out there who are claiming to be, you know, kind of product agnostic, as they say, meaning they put interest of the team above the interest of the product. What was, is that in your case or do you treat them kind of equally? Because I see you do value your team a lot. I think the team is, the team is definitely the most important thing. Um, mm -hmm. within our company. I mean, the product, I think we give a lot of, uh, a lot of passion and a lot of uh, effort into our product as well and i think it's really it's really something that that is connected because uh once you have a team that is really happy and we only have people that are you know they they, they gave up jobs where they had like huge salaries and huge positions and they just came to us because they wanted to change something and they wanted to to build a a product with a great team and, a, and therefore build a great product. Uh, so I think it's really connected and you can achieve both. Um, in our case, I would say the team is, is definitely the most important thing, but that doesn't really give less priority to the product, I think. All right. What is your long-term vision with the whole thing? Yeah, we have, as you might expect, we do have a lot of ideas. Um, mm -hmm. And we think the way is very, very long still. Um, for now, it's the, the next part we do it will be, uh, we will connect all the parts we have. So style guide, pattern library and collaboration to one unified platform for brand management, which mm -hmm. uh, really brings in something, you, you, you could expect something like a brand canvas, So you maybe know the, the business canvas that allows startup to structure the startup one exactly with the nine elements, mm -hmm. uh, which allows you to bring in your components of the your business model into into something more structured, and you can compare that to what we're doing with the brand management platform. So we try to really um, bring in um, like a framework for your brand um, where you fill in the gaps. So you fill in guidelines, you fill in uh, patterns, you fill in projects, you fill in 
uh, templates and and other stuff for the team um, and in the end it would be that you actually can create more out of Frontify so at the moment you just create something outside of Frontify you upload it and you have guidelines and stuff but you could also imagine that we would provide within the style guide and within the platform we would provide tools to actually create assets out of the templates that are in Frontify and in the end have a way more and more complete solution for brand management. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hard time fighting off feature requests or feature requests coming from inside the team? Um, well, since I'm, <laughs> I'm actually the head of a product, it's, it's okay. in the end I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to decide, but... Um, we 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 found we found uh, actually we found a nice tool uh, which which really helps us with that um, that really reflects how we how our brains work. And, uh, you did, and it's mm -hmm. called Product Board. Not sure Product if you, Board. Not sure if you mm -hmm. heard about it, but what Product Board does is it allows you to add um, different drivers. For example, a driver for a feature could be like. For example, it's more usability or it's more magic or it's more uh, stability or whatever. So you can define your drivers. You could also define your target group that is interested in that feature. So you could say, okay, this is important for enterprise. This is important for startups. This is important for agencies. Um, and you can like categorize that a little bit. And you can also add personas where you can say, okay, that's, that's important for a brand manager. That's important for, for the project manager. That's important for the designer. And therefore, it, helps you, it really helps you to prioritize. And what we also do is we have Intercom, um, mm -hmm. where we get really hundreds of feedback messages from our users. And they are directly imported into Product Board. And therefore, we get all those requests tracked. So we just sort them actually by the number of feedbacks we have for a specific feature. Mm -hmm. And we try to find the balance of adding those features, fixing things, and adding enterprise features. So it's, it's mainly, it's actually a hard task. But yeah, it really helps if you have such a model that then you then you are not distracted by something that's just not important and uh, yeah and that's that's couple, how we do it yeah <laughs> sounds like a good process i'm sure our listeners will have interesting time picking into product board and myself too because uh, this sounds like a very useful tool it is it so is. the the last question would be you mentioned that all your marketing is kind of inbound these days so the way i come across your brand is your content marketing team approached myself for an interview, which I enjoyed a lot. And you, the way they promote it is just spectacular. So how many people do you have working on that? And how do you think that influences your overall inbound you know, flow of clients? Or is it more word of mouth? Um, um, that's a hard question. I think we do. Um, we're still in a phase where we do some experiments. So we're not really... Um, so we we do work together with uh, with a marketing agency that does a great job in in uh, in managing all our channels, and we mm -hmm. do that 
for not a very long time now and so i i cannot really share any 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 results on this on this on the final mm -hmm. results but we see we see some interesting things um but actually it's too early to share them um <laughs> but um it's fine if you want to keep them secret <laughs> <laughs> no i i will definitely share them with uh, once once i i get the final results so mm -hmm. but but for now we're just monitoring stuff we're seeing okay what what does work what does not work I and mean, when we're experimenting a lot um we we're just trying the extremes you know we we, we do um nearly no social media then we do extremely a lot of social media And then we try to find out what's what's working well and what's not working well, and it's really something we we're still in a in a thinking phase because uh, we want to try some more things and we want to yeah we, we we're still not sure what's really the best way to do it and um, still it is the inbound part that brings in most I think um, and still it it's it's also everything that's product related or team related is normally working best for sure. Um, yeah. And all the other things that are sometimes we have something good, sometimes it's not working. So I think it's really something to experiment with and we're, we're in the early days on doing this. But it seems like you've got the, you know, the sales problem kind of figured out because it is a critical part for most SaaS founders. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why this is actually, um, <laughs> but but I think maybe it is because we have something. Um, well, we are um, for the enterprise market. We are really focused on 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 Europe currently. We do have a good network in with our partners and ourselves. Um, we have a, a. I think we have something really interesting to share with the companies. So. We are not really the sales guys who go and, and just drop the sales presentation and there you go. So we're really into becoming advisors to them and really uh, trying to um, help them integrating this into their process. So I think that that's something they're really looking for and that works quite well. And um, for the self-service segment, I think... This is really something that is more the viral thing. Uh, so people invite other people, uh, agencies work with their customer, their customer um, invites other agencies, they know about the product, they invite other customers and other agencies and, and therefore it really, it's, it's something that really grows organically um, out of itself. I'm really happy that you found that viral path of growth uh, really awesome. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing, how large is your uh, user base these days? Just maybe ballpark figure, if you're comfortable with it. Um, we're we're around, I would say, registered users. We have around eighty-five thousand, I would say. Oh my goodness! Congratulations! <laughs> so happy for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But but it's not really. You know, it could be way more, and uh, it could be way better quality at some point. But. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, and yeah, we do see uh, very good growth um, since we have the Saiga product, and um, yeah, we're very mm -hmm. happy with the progress. But it's still 
once once you know once once uh, enough people around the world know about it it will be even more amazing so it's still if you see what what kind of what kind of companies start creating staggers with front fights that just shows the huge market i mean when you see like a flower fl- little flower company in a small town in the states is going to create a stagger and pay for it it's probably something that has some huge potential uh, in the whole market. It seems like the idea is pretty lucrative. Are you not afraid of competitors? Uh, currently, we don't. Uh, I mean, sure, there are a lot, a lot of people working on something. I mean, we we're not we're not blind, but um, we do have some very interesting uh, approaches for the future. And we we think we we do have a, a fantastic product for style guides, which has a lot of lot of very advanced features in it that maybe are not really visible currently. But it's it's not that easy. It it is it looks very simple, but it's it's a very powerful solution that has that really covers the needs of a small little company to a large enterprise that is worldwide. So I think that makes us special because we. We really can enable companies to grow with us and to start small and grow big. And I think we we do have some very magic things in our pipeline that is uh, we we were always faster probably than our competitors with our ideas. <laughs> and uh, hopefully this is uh, this is the case for a long time now. But uh, still, still, I mean, there are a lot of people uh, trying to solve that problem. Um, Mostly the ones who are solving the pattern library problem with style guide generators and stuff like that. But I think it's not, we don't know about much uh, who are covering, uh, who are that far than we are. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer to that question. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So as we're wrapping up today's episode, could you share where people can find you and Frontify online? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find us on frontify.com. Um, you can sign up for a uh, style guide uh, product for free. You can even use the style guide for free uh, with a lot of features. Um, it just has some limitations in, in the users and storage and some features. But actually, you can do a lot with the free version. Um, You can also reach out to us if you have any questions regarding the process of creating style guides, migrating style guides, building pattern libraries. I think we're really on top of the topic currently, and we have a lot of experience now from our existing customers. So I would love to um, hear from many of you out there. And uh, we also appreciate feedback on if you don't like anything uh, or if you would optimize something on our style guide so please reach out try it out um, tell us what we're doing wrong that, that would be <laughs> great and uh, yeah that's it and you're on twitter i'm on twitter um, I'm, it's roger dadler um, it's lowercase and all written together i think you will share the link somehow absolutely absolutely um, will. I'm, i'm not tweeting that much But um, I'm definitely reacting on tweets if, if you have something um, to share with me. And um, sometimes I'm tweeting interesting stuff, hopefully. It's mostly about startups, UX, um, design, 
these kind of things. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Roger. It was a great conversation. I'm sure our listeners will learn a ton from it. Yeah, thank you very much, Jane, for having me. And it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. You too. You too.